Hello and welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason from Schweizer Church. So glad you've tuned in today to worship along with us. Today we are in week three of Come Follow Me, where we're hearing from Jesus, the invitation to step out of the boat, to step out of our lives and to follow after him. So glad you've joined us. If this is your first time, a special welcome to you. And if you let us know you're here, we'd love to send you a gift card. If you've been around for a long time, you know you're more than welcome. So glad you're here. And if you go to Schweitzer.church slash next, you'll find sermon discussions. You'll find all kinds of ways to connect with Schweitzer. So glad you're here today. Now, upcoming next, we're going to find out what's happening at Schweitzer this week. Hi, welcome to Schweitzer. I'm Jen Brown. So glad you're here today. It's hard to believe that it's already May, but it is. And we have some great things coming up this month. This week, especially, we have two second season events. One during the morning at 1130, we'll have Tracy Burton from Splatter Art Studios coming for an engaging time. Plus, we'll have Mexican Villa and all kinds of great fun in the morning. Be sure you sign up for that. And then that evening, we have a special panel called The Privilege of Retirement that's all about what it means to retire and step into that next season of life. You can learn about both of these at Schweitzer.church slash second season, and you can sign up today at the Blue Booth on the Church Center app or online. Coming up in two weeks is Mother's Day weekend, and we have a special brunch celebrating all ladies on Saturday, May 13th at 9 a.m. We hope you'll be there and join us for a special day as we have brunch, we have activities, and we have so much fun together for ladies kindergarten and up. This will be a great time together. You can learn more and sign up at Schweitzer.church women or stop by the Blue Booth today. And speaking of Mother's Day, we also have Father's Day coming up in June. And on that special weekend for Father's Day weekend, we're doing a camping and canoeing outing up in Eminence, Missouri. This will be a great time together. You can stay in a tent, RV, in the lodge, and then we're gonna go canoeing on Saturday. Uh, we encourage you to sign up early for a special discount. And we'd love to know if you're gonna come join us for that special weekend. Learn more about all our outdoor opportunities at Schweitzer.church outdoors. And one more thing, this Sunday we're kicking off a Flourish food drive. Here's Camille to share a little bit more about that. Hi everyone, my name is Camille Price and I'm the program director at Flourish. I am so excited to announce that we're gonna be doing a food drive for our crisis food pantry. We want you to take bags that look like this and make them look like this. You guys did such an amazing job at our last food drive, bringing in all of your cans and we wanna see you guys do it again and even better. Once again, thank you so much for all of your generous support. And one more thing, we want to see your families out shopping in the community. So tag your bag, take a picture and tag us on social media at Flourish CDC so that we can show the Springfield community that we care. Thanks. Thanks, Camille. We're looking forward to seeing what people bring back. Make sure you pick up your bag today on your way out the door and bring it back next week for our one week only food drive. Thanks again for being with us today. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Jen. Now, if you're worshiping with us live, we'd invite you to let us know that you're here. Wave to people in the chat room. If you like prayer, we've got prayer available. People would be happy to pray with you. Now, as we enter into worship, we enter into worship with a sense of joy. We enter into worship with a sense of the Lord calling us to find our joy renewed. So today, Let's enter into worship with joy, anticipating what God has for us today. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.
slain at the empty grave. Thank God that stone was rolled away. As we come to a time of prayer today, I want to invite you to join with me in a prayer that comes from St. Francis. It's called the Breastplate Prayer. And if you're interested in knowing, um, of finding a place where you can pick that up, it's in a little field guide to Colossians that we composed a couple years ago here at, at Schweitzer. We've composed and worked on a number of field guides to different books within the Bible as a way of growing. And so today we're going to be using the breastplate prayer of St. Francis. So let's pray together. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ to protect me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come abundance and reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right and Christ on my left. Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit, Christ where I arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. So, Lord, as we ask you to be all around us and in us and be a part of us, we truly ask that our hearts would be opened fully to all of Christ and that our lives would be found in him, and that our hopes and dreams and the things that are weighing us down, um, the things that are thrilling our hearts with joy would be things that all point us to him and we find our strength and resolve in Christ. And Christ Jesus, teach us to pray as we together pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Last Sunday night, it was so exciting. We had about 17 students from Schweitzer who were confirmed in the faith. It was a fantastic experience. We had a couple of baptisms and then, then everyone confirmed the place where they were at that they were following after Christ. It was incredible. In just a moment, we're going to show you some pictures, some images, and we're going to hear from some of the students share about what it means to be a part of Schweitzer and a follower of Jesus. Let's take a listen. My favorite part about confirmation is learning about God and the Bible with my friends and kids I know. What confirmation means to me is like being more involved in the church and like what you're doing. I think it's important so that uh, you can like understand and then like when you're older you can make the decisions you need to. I feel like I made a lot of new friends because of it. And I know that there's people here who, are, who support me and who are always going to be here for me. 
Uh, to me, that means that I get to bring my gifts to this church and help all the people who need my gifts or certain set of skills. And also, I can also rely on other members to help me and bring me up. And also, I can take bring them up as well. To me, membership means like you're getting confirmed at a church, so you need to go almost every Sunday if you can, and spending more time with God and getting to know Him more. If more people to talk to and people at the church, they take you as a new person in the family. My favorite part about confirmation is meeting new friends, eating donuts, and watching videos. I feel like just learning more about people who also are Christian or just believe in God, I feel like kind of just helps you grow in faith more just by knowing them, meeting good people. Confirmation is a place for me where I got to meet new people and have new friends and get to understand the Bible and more about God. They're always there to listen, to hear what you have to say, and they'll answer any questions you have and they're just there for you, and they're learning with you. What confirmation is to me, it's, it could be a beginning on somebody's walk with God, or they could have already knew Him, but they want to get baptized. God said that if a few people gather in my name, He'll be in their midst. So I think it's fellowship and learning what the what gospel really means and we dug deep into that that gospel means good news and what the gospel means and like John the Baptist and Jesus got baptized and just learning more about baptism and that's our confirmation of being saved confirming that we are going to be a disciple of the most high Always fantastic to be around young people who are growing in the faith. Really spectacular. And it's because of your generosity that events and ministry like this can, can happen. Thank you so much for being generous, for giving faithfully of your tithes and your offerings. You can give today at Schweitzer.church give, or you can give on the Church Center app. Whatever way you give, know that we're grateful. And we're grateful to see what God does when we give, when we're obedient with the gifts He's given to us, and how He's planting the seed of faith and growing oaks of righteousness in young men and women. Thank you so much. Now, we're ready for week three of Come Follow Me. Let's dive in. Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. So glad that you've joined us. Today is part three of our series called Come, Follow Me. Of course, this is what Jesus says when he invites folks to be his disciples in the Bible. He would, he would invite them with this line, come follow me. And so we're exploring the call of Jesus to be his disciples, but not in a, in a general kind of way. We're really exploring this for, for us. 
um, in our church here, this, this body that we call Schweitzer? What, what is our call? How do we understand this, uh, this call of Jesus uh, to be his disciples? And so we're exploring this through the lens of um, six values or practices that we have uh, lifted up in our church as things that, that are just crucial for how we understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and how we live this out together. You'll see these values posted on walls in our church building if you come to worship. You'll see this on our website. These are, these are things that we lift up as just key, key attributes to what it means to follow um, Jesus. Now, one of the reasons we're doing this is because our church has been growing. It's just absolutely incredible. So if you come and worship, you'll certainly notice this, that, that we're just reaching more people. And so as we do this, we want to take some time to talk about us and who we are and, and what it looks like here in our church to uh, to, to be a part of this as Jesus calls all of us together to be his disciples. Um, and so we're exploring these, these things together. Now today, we're going to look at this value that we say that, that one of the things that, that we know that what this means is that we are going to be a church where we engage in formation. So we've talked about worship. Last week we talked about care. Today we're going to talk about how we engage in formation. Now that word formation might be a little different for you. Um, some churches are going to talk about discipleship. Maybe others might talk about uh, spiritual growth. And those are fine terms to use. Uh, but, but we use lift up this word uh, formation as we understand how Jesus is shaping us and forming us uh, to be people who, who reflect him in the world. Now, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 2 to unpack this. There's a few things I want us to see here from Colossians chapter 2 that lift up. What does this Christian growth look like? What does it look like as we begin to grow and be shaped and formed um, into the people that Jesus sees uh, us to be. So Colossians chapter two, we're going to start in verse one. This is a letter. We're kind of starting really kind of mid-thought here, but here's what Paul writes. Verse one, he says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. So this is the letter to Colossians, so Colossae, but he's talking here about the Laodiceans, kind of a nearby city, kind of a sister city, twin city here. Talking about both these cities. He keeps going. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I love, love, love how the gospel is presented there. It's just poetic and how the good news is described as this full riches of God, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's just so beautiful the way the gospel is presented. Paul keeps going. Verse four says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I'm present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. And then comes these next three verses, which is really why I wanted to read these passages here. Uh, Verse six, seven, and eight. Listen to these. Paul says, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Now these verses have so much to teach us. I mean, we could spend a long time here on, on, on what it means to be formed of Christ, but really I want to look at two things, lift up two things here that we see um, in these verses uh, uh, that is teaching us and pointing us towards a life that is being formed um, by Jesus. And the first thing I want you to see is that the way Colossians is, is presenting this, um, 
the formed life in, in, in Christ, really what we see here is a, is a binary choice. You can live your life on one hand as someone who is deeply rooted in Christ. What did it say? Um, overflowing with thankfulness, being built up in Him. I mean, all these great things. You can live your life like that. Or on the other hand, you can be taken captive by the, what is it, the, the hollow and deceptive philosophy of the world. Like you have these, these two choices. It's a, it's a binary choice. It's, a, it's, a, it's an either or. It's like two kinds of life. It's a this or it's a that. And this binary choice is really a, a, a common metaphor that you see, common way of talking in the Bible about the faithful life. You see this really all over the Bible. There is a binary choice that's given us about the faithful life. So Jesus talks, for instance, about the, um, the narrow road and the wide road. And the Proverbs, you find there's the way of wisdom or the way of foolishness. Deuteronomy talks about how there's the way of life, there's the way of death, and you can keep going on and on and on like this because there's just so many examples in the Bible of how the faithful life is presented in this, in this binary choice. It's a, it's a this or it's a that, but it's not both. It's a binary choice. Now, sometimes when you hear this kind of binary choice, you think about Jesus, the narrow road, the wide road, foolishness and wisdom, or here the rooted in Christ or hollow philosophy, you might be tempted to think about this in terms of, well, that must mean that there are like good people and bad people. But that's not really what this is saying. And that's not a really helpful way of framing this, that it's like being a good person or a bad person. I think about it more like this. Like there is a person who is deeply rooted in Christ. This is someone who's been formed in Christ. Well, that, that is a way of life um, that you can, you can live on one hand where Christ is at the center of, of everything in your life. And that's, that's one way to live. Or on the other hand, you can live your life like normal people do. <laughs> because normal people don't live you know, Christ-centered lives. They don't live lives that are being formed by Him. And so, you know, the option is not necessarily between maybe being a good person and a bad person. It might be just between the kind of person who's being formed by Christ and just simply the person who's being formed by the world, which is a normal person. And there's a massive difference between being a person who's formed by Christ and being formed by the world, just a, a normal person. I mean, think about some of the differences that you might see. Like, like think about this, a a person who's being formed by Christ, someone who's rooted in Christ, like Colossians says. Well, this is a person who, I don't know, for instance, is going to think that you know, their top priority in life is to bring glory to God. This is like the most important thing to them. They're, they're going to try to please God. They're going to worship Him. They're going to bring glory to Him. And, and they're going to look at their life through this lens of how can I bring glory to God? And so when they go about their life and they have these questions about how they're going to live and questions that everyone has, like, how am I going to go about my work? Or how am I going to treat my spouse? Or how am I going to raise my kids? Or how am I going to spend my money? Or how am I going to deal with adversity? Or how am I going to handle this challenge? Like, like what a person who is rooted in Christ does is they look at all of these things through the lens of how do I bring glory to God? Because this is the top priority of their life because they love God first and foremost. And so they, they have this lens of, of how to look at their life in this way. But you know how a normal person does? You know, a normal person, when they look at those same questions in life, do you know what they think? Because you know what their top priority in life is? Well, their, their top priority in life is not to bring glory to God. Their top priority in life is, is themselves. That's how a normal person lives. And so they're going to ask the same questions about how am I going to go about my work? How am I going to deal with my marriage? How am I going to raise my kids? And, and they're going to be thinking not about bringing glory to God. They're going to be thinking about things like, how do I make my life the most comfortable and easy that I can? How do I make more money? 
How do I rise for my own sake? How do I make more people like me? Like how, how do, how do I make my life as comfortable and easy and prosperous as it possibly can? Because it's, it's about me, right? There's a difference here between someone who's being rooted in Christ and just someone who's, who's a normal person. Or, or, or I think about this, like someone who's rooted in Christ and formed in Christ, when, when they, uh, face adversity, challenges and trouble that everyone has, right? Everyone has the same kind of pain and grief and challenges in life that, that, that they have. And, but a person who's rooted in Christ, they know that they can trust God with whatever it is that they're facing. So they know that they can take their life and the outcome of their life and the outcome of their challenges and they can put this in God's hands and they can say, you know, thy will be done, right? They can trust God because they know that God loves them. They know that God's for them. They know that God is good. And so they can, they can take these things and put them in God's hands and entrust them to Him because they know that their life is ultimately not on their shoulders. The outcome of their life, their outcome of their problem, it's not really on their shoulders to bear. That's what a, someone who knows who's rooted in Christ and formed in Christ. But you know how a normal person deals with adversity and challenges and stress and pain and grief? Well, they, they deal with that with anxiety and worry and trying to get control over everything. And so they white knuckle their problems, trying to hold on to control or trying to seek control and they lose sleep because they're, they're so worried about these things because they, they don't have the capacity to trust that God is going to take care of them and, and provide for them. This is how a normal person lives. And we could go on with example after example after example of this because there is just this massive difference between someone who is rooted in Christ and someone who is, what Paul says here, what the philosophy, living the philosophy, the hollow philosophy of this world, or to say it differently, there is a massive difference between someone who is being formed by Christ and someone who is being formed uh, by the world. And so this shows up in all kinds of ways. It shows up in our relationships and our money and how we think about things. And there's just this massive difference. It's a binary choice. And this is one of the reasons why I find this word formation uh, to, to be so helpful because a lot of times in church, you know, we talk about things we believe and we talk about the things that we might say we believe. And, and so we might say, you know, that we believe certain things. Like we, we might say that we believe like, I don't know, Jesus is Lord, which is a great thing to believe. I believe that too. I hope you do as well. And these are things that we say we believe. And while it's important to believe these things and to think these things, um, what's maybe more important is to actually live as if those things are true, to to, to live that belief out in our life. And this is where I find this question for, of formation, this word formation, so, so helpful because formation is not so much interested in what do I say I believe, but more like, do I live as if that's actually true? Am I being formed to live uh, according to those beliefs? And so I might say something like, you know, Jesus is Lord, but that's a great thing to believe, but do I live as if that's true? So Jesus said things like, I don't know, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So do I live as if that's true? Do I, do I treat people with love who hurt me and who harm me and who uh, say bad things? Do I, do, I, do I treat them with love and blessing like Jesus teaches? I mean, that's to live as if that's true that Jesus is Lord. And Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So do I just try to accumulate for myself or do I give freely and tithe and practice that? Because again, that's to live as if it's true that Jesus is Lord. And so I, I find this word of formation so helpful because um, it's, it's so helpful to be thinking that what we're really striving here for is not just for more beliefs in our head, 
but to be shaped in such a way that our lives begin to actually um, reflect this. And I know that sounds obvious, but it's also a little bit counterintuitive because I've noticed that, that in a lot of churches, a lot of Christians, you know, we talk about spiritual growth and a lot of times we talk about it in terms of, of like learning more. And so we think about, you know, if I could just read that other book or if I could just maybe listen to that podcast or listen to more sermons and it's, it's like just take another Bible study and we do all of this like input into our brains, but it doesn't, it doesn't work out into our lives. And it's like what the formation question is really interested in how does this get worked out into our lives? Because our lives don't change because we're better informed. Our lives change when we're formed by Christ. And so we're not going after information, we're going after formation, where our lives begin to actually change um, and reflect Christ. And so we see this passage from Colossians. First thing it teaches us, there's this binary choice. You're either going to live your life being formed by Christ, it's going to show up in all kinds of practical ways in your life, or you're going to live your life being formed by the world. It's a binary choice. It's a this or it's a that. Let's go back to Colossians 2, and there's another aspect of this I want you to see. Um, Verse 6, this is what Paul writes. He says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, 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 continue to live your lives in Him. Now, you may not have caught it, but I really wanted you to catch that word, um, continue. (laughs) So it's not just that we want to believe in Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, but, but that we we want to give our whole life to him, to continue in this decision that the grace that we've received, because that's, that's how our lives begin to really change. For me, one of the ways that I've, I've really been thinking about this differently over the last several years is, um, you know, there's this word in church that we use sometimes to describe the changed life, and we talk about repentance. And that's really only a word we use in church, so it really has no, no meaning outside of church. But, but repentance is, is, you know, this word we use to describe making the change. We're trying to repent of our sin, to live a different kind of life. And sometimes when people talk about repentance, it's like, it's like we think that it just happens. We just change, and our life is just different. I repented of my sin, and I'm not going to do that stuff anymore that's harmful and destructive and leads me to bad places. I'm just, I'm just going to be changed. And so we think repentance is just this fast thing. Or, or sometimes we hear stories of people's lives who change like dramatically and miraculously. Or we think about like the Apostle Paul who was going on the road to Damascus, and he comes across Jesus, and his life is just changed. He repents, and his, he's just different or, or we ha- hear stories of this happening from time to time among us. I have, I have a friend who tells this dramatic and miraculous story of being delivered from addiction where he says his desire for drinking just stopped. Wow. I know other people whose, whose marriages have been miraculously saved because the couple, whatever they were on the brink of with this bad behavior that was leading to divorce, they, they repented and, and, and they were saved and the marriage was saved. And it's like this miraculous thing that happens. So sometimes we hear these kind of stories of repentance and this dramatic life change. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I hear them and I think to myself, man, what's wrong with me? <laughs> because, you know, my life, and again, maybe you're not like me, but, but I still struggle with sin a lot. I still lose my temper. I still find myself envious of other people and not enjoying what it is that God has given me. I, I still find myself gossiping and destroying uh, people instead of building them up. Like I find myself still struggling in sin. And so I think to myself, I've repented. Why is my life not changed? And so I had this epiphany several years ago that where I started to think about repentance in a, 
in a different way where I realized, you know what? I don't think repentance is necessarily like the snap of the fingers and the U-turn that you make in life. Sometimes that happens and it's miraculous and it's amazing and we celebrate that. But I think more often than not, for most of us, repentance is not one decision I make to stop doing certain things in order to follow Christ. I think repentance is more like a thousand decisions I make every day to point my life towards Christ. And so I started to think about repentance less as a U-turn where you make a sudden change in your life. And it's more like if my life is heading one direction, this is being formed by the world, I'm going to start making all kinds of other decisions that start to slowly veer my life away from that towards Christ. And as I make these decisions every day, day in and day out, over time, the difference of the direction I'm going is is, is far different than it would have been if I had just continued to live my life as it was, as the world would lead me to. There's like this slow veer of repentance that my life begins to change because I'm making decisions every day to live as Jesus wants me to live. Most days I'm probably gonna do it badly, but I'm gonna continue on this trajectory, facing what it is that Christ wants me to do with a slow veer of change in my life. The great Eugene Peterson, he describes the Christian life with this great phrase. I think it's so wise, so good. He says the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. It's like choosing this day after day after day to follow Jesus. Even when I fail, I'm still coming back to him. I'm still seeking him. I'm still praying. I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still worshiping. I'm still giving him thanks and glory because over time, what I find is that my life changes and doesn't change in a matter of days. It changes in years as my life is being slowly formed into the person that Jesus wants me to be. And this vision of this like slow change of our life, this is so, so crucial to who we are as a church. Like if you wanna understand Schweitzer, this is so, so crucial to who we are, that we take this long view of discipleship, this long view of formation that our lives slowly begin to change because we are going to continue to live in Christ. There's this great analogy um, that, that uh, describes this so well. And uh, this is an analogy that, um, that I've used before in messages. And hopefully, like, if you're part of our church, this sounds familiar because I wanted to use this enough that, it, that, it, uh, that we, we know this analogy because it's so helpful to describe this vision of how the Christian life works with this slow change and this, this continuing to live our lives in him. This analogy is very old. I did not come up with it. It's been around for at least 300 years. I got this from John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement. But, but the, the analogy goes um, like this. Imagine that your life with God is like a house. And um, in this house, like all houses, there's a, there's a front porch. And uh, there was a time in your life where your life with God, it was like you were on the front porch. You didn't know if you really believed. Maybe you were seeking after God. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you were aware of him. Maybe you weren't aware of him. But there was this time you're outside the house, but, but you were like, God was at work in your life and he was trying to bring you into the house and whether you knew it or, or you didn't. And a lot of times when you're on the front porch in your life where you're kind of, you're far from God, but you're not, you know, maybe seeking after him, and, but, but God is at work in your life. A lot of times in retrospect, you can see the ways that maybe God was trying to pull you into the house, trying to bring you into a relationship with him. And, you know, I've heard people say things like, you know what, I, I don't know why I took that job. Or I don't know why I moved into that neighborhood, but God had a plan because he introduced me to that person and things started to change. I got invited to that church and my life started to, 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 to turn around because of this. And, and this is how it is. And so there's some of us who are on the front porch. You know, we don't know if we really believe. We don't know what we believe. We're interested, 
Some of us are so oblivious to us. It's not like we're on the front porch. It's like we're three streets over, but God is still trying to bring us to himself. He's still trying to bring us in, into this place. And so we find ourselves on the front porch, and this is where some, some people are, but God is seeking and he's moving in their lives. And then there comes this moment where you go from the front porch, and there's this moment, though, where you, where you walk through the front door. And this is this moment where we walk through the front door, this is a decision that you make, that you're no longer going to live on the front porch, that you're going to walk into the house. You're going to open the door and you're going to walk into this house. And that decision to walk into the house is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Because that is the decision to trust in Jesus Christ for your life, to trust in Him for your salvation. And this, this decision to walk through the front door, when you do it, everything changes. You can imagine, like, you're walking through the front door of this house and your perspective now changes because you're not looking through the windows anymore. Now you've walked through the front door, you see the inside of the house, you can feel the, the heat of the, of the heater or the, the temperature changes, you're in the house, you can smell it. Like, your, your perspective has changed and it's changed because you had this point in time where you crossed the threshold and you came into the house. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And we make this decision sometimes in different ways. Maybe you make this decision when you came forward in an altar call to church, or maybe a, maybe you prayed a sinner's prayer. Every Sunday in our church, we I invite people, if you, if you don't know Christ, to pray a simple prayer of, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin? Would you lead my life? Or For me, it was at church camp where someone explained to me why Jesus had to die. I was 15 and I, I realized I crossed that front door. I, I, I believed I crossed the threshold of faith and I put my my trust in him. And, and so I shared this analogy one time about this, this house with somebody who was um, exploring Jesus, a friend of mine who was exploring uh, Jesus. And uh, my friend who was exploring Jesus, she said to me this incredibly perceptive, um, incredibly perceptive thing because as I explained this analogy, she said to me, you know what, I'm, I'm on the front porch. Like she could see that within herself and she knew she hadn't crossed that line of faith yet. She's like, I, I know I'm on the front porch. And she said, I, I want to come through the front door. I want to believe, she said. And then what she said next just blew me away. It was so perceptive. She said, I want to come through the front door, but I don't want to come through the front door and just sit down because that's what everyone does. Just blew me away. It was so perceptive. This person who is exploring Jesus had all kinds of questions, didn't know really what she believed or not. She wanted to put her faith in Christ. But when she looked at Christians, her perspective of Christians, were that so many of us make faith about the front door, that we cross that line of faith, we pray that prayer, we put our faith in Him, and then we stop. It's like we moved into the house, but we only moved into the foyer. We put the TV there, we put the bed there, we're all cramped, when in reality there is this whole house to move into. And as we think about our church and the vision that we have for, for what it means to follow Jesus, this whole house becomes our vision. Because it's not just that God wants us to cross through the front door. This is why this analogy is so helpful for me. It's because what God wants us to do next is he wants us to move into the house. He wants us to, to move into the rooms, to paint the walls, to hang things on the, on the walls, to, to put the furniture in, to, to move in, to put the clothes in the closet. And this moving in and putting the house to order, this is the work that takes the rest of our life. It's the work of changing our life as our lives slowly begin to change into the model and the image of Jesus, what he wants us to do. And so as we think about our life here, it's like we're not just about the front porch in our church. We want to have a whole house kind of vision because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to change our lives. 
He wants to continually change our lives, and he wants us to grow and be formed um, by him. Now, as we think about this whole house as a, as a vision for our church, you know, one of the things that we, we realize is that people come to us in all kinds of places. Some of us are on the front porch. Some of us are maybe thinking about crossing the front door. Some of us maybe have just crossed the front door. We don't know what to do. But no matter where we're at, though, the, most, the next step you take, that's the important step. Because what God wants us to do is just to continually move into this house. He wants you to do this. He doesn't want us to stall out and, and just get content with what we have. It's just this continual growth that the Lord wants to do in our life. And, and at our church, we have a whole house kind of vision for, for ourselves because we believe that the gospel is actually powerful. We believe that the grace of God is real. We believe that the work that Jesus did on the cross, it, it actually changes our lives. We believe that the Holy Spirit who Jesus sends, it actually sanctifies us and makes us into this new creation that God wants us to be. We, we believe this, and we believe this so strongly that our expectation is that what God is going to do in our lives is he's going to actually change us. This is the good news that we have. And so as we think about our lives here, as we think about this vision we have, of course, one question we always need to be asking ourselves is, you know, where am I in this process? Have I stalled out? Have I just moved into the, into the foyer? Have I moved into the house? Some of us, you know, we've got a next step that we need to continue to take as we engage in this process. And that's the other side of this that we have to be aware of, is there's always a question before us of, if God wants to do this in our lives, He wants us to move into this house, are you willing to engage the process? Because what God wants to do is he wants to change your life, but you have to be willing to engage the process because here's the, the truth. You don't accidentally move into this house. You don't stumble into this house being organized and moved into. No, what the Lord does is he gives you the power. He gives you his grace. He gives this work inside of your life that he continues to do this for you and in you. And so we have a whole house kind of vision. And as we think about the Christian life, as we think about what God wants to do, let's, let's expand our vision to see that what the Lord can do is he can actually change our lives. Now it might take a long time, but this long process of repentance and obedience, it begins to form us and shape us into a new creation that God wants us to be. Let's pray together. So Father, today as we consider um, continuing to live our lives in you. On one hand, Father, we just need to confess and understand that there is a constant pressure and temptation to be formed by the world instead of by Jesus. And if we're not intentional, if we don't pay attention to this, if we just, uh, just think we just can believe but not actually apply this thing to our life, we are going to be formed by the world instead of Jesus. And we want to be deeply rooted in you. We're going to be deeply formed in you. And so, Father, would you, first of all, just raise this awareness in our brains and our minds of, of how our lives are always being shaped in a binary choice. It's this or it's that. In the same way, Lord, we, we want to continue our lives in, in you, that, that you want to move deeply in our lives. And so there are some of us here who are on the front porch, and we, want, we just need to take a step, a step towards faith. Maybe it's the step to cross the line of faith, to believe in you, and if that's so, we just offer up a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, Forgive us our sin and lead our life. A simple prayer of faith to cross that front door. But as we do so, Lord, we, we do so expecting and knowing that you want to move in our life to actually change us and to shape us and to form us. And so, Father, give us a vision. As a church, give us a vision 
that is about so much more than just the front door, but is about this whole way that you want to change and to shape our lives, to form us into the people who Jesus wants us to be. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the ways that you are involved in our lives, whether we know it or not, but that your grace is real, the gospel is powerful, and Jesus is actually able to move in our lives. It's in his name we pray today. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. So glad to have you worshiping with us. A big thank you to all those who helped produce our worship time together. Thanks to Jen. Thanks to our worship team. Thanks to Alec and the people behind the scenes. Thanks to Spencer for that good word about, about being Christ-centered and, and diving into who Jesus is and being all, all surrounded with Christ. Um, we would love it if you would take a moment and like and share this video, this worship experience. It's a great way to just help others know about what Christ can do in their own life. So please like and take a moment to like and share. Can't wait to see you next week when we're going to continue with the Come Follow Me series. Week number four, we're going to be thinking about how do we engage the community. We'll see you then. is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood, a mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate On earth is not his
No thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with the Goods and kindred Keep